0: A Rich Tradition College Football Podcast is now live. Hello
1: and welcome to A Rich Tradition College Football Podcast. I'm Spencer Van Horn. He's Robbie Stonepole. Two friends, one love, and that is college football. We've been off for just a little while here in the summertime, but we are back and uh, ready for another episode. Lots of recruiting, a couple of other news notes that I've got written down from uh, the last couple of weeks, maybe even, uh, yeah, the last couple of weeks, I guess we'll say it. Robbo, how are you, my friend?
0: Well, Spencer, tonight I ate, uh, for the second time in my life, I ate at a Korean barbecue place. Co- Korean steakhouse. I'm sorry, Korean steakhouse. I I, I think that's what we called Korean steakhouse. Korean, anyway, Korean barbecue. It's one of the places, it's called Iron Age. It's awesome. It's a place where you sit down, you, you they bring you the meat, you cook it in front of you, but it's like unlimited meat. You, you cook it or they cook it you cook it in front of yourself like there's like a little there's like a little grill right in front of you you cook it in front of yourself okay um gotcha. they now they will um and then you pay for this <laughs> yeah um you pay them so that you can cook your food <laughs> yeah but i will say this you you pay you pay a you pay a flat rate like you right, pay you a flat eat rate. as much yeah and boy i i i think i may fall into a meat coma by the time yeah. this episode's over those um,
1: are the right kind of comas to fall into.
0: Yeah, it is cuz I, I cuz then we walked down to this Brazilian bakery and yeah. I had I had some uh, this piece of incredible strawberry cake. It was it just sounds amazing. like it, was, it sounds like heaven. Yeah, it was. It was great.
1: Um I'm proud so go ahead. As I was I'm I'm proud I'm happy that you uh,
0: experienced such joy. Yeah, I didn't necessarily get the meat sweats, you know? Um That's good. Those but,
1: are Meat coma and meat sweats are, are two different things on the opposite ends of the spectrum. You don't, yeah, you don't want the meat the sweats. Meat sweats.
0: Is, m- meat sweats is something that ends up being painful later. Right. Meat meat coma is something like, oh man, you're gonna sleep really good tonight. Yeah,
1: you you have filled up the right way on meat. Meat sweats would be something like a log jam.
0: Mm-hmm. There's you've
1: crammed too <laughs> yeah. much into a small small space. Yeah.
0: Absolutely, absolutely, but. But today we're not talking about digestive tracts and things like that. We have we have quite a nor bit. Nor should we ever. Yeah, nor <laughs> should we ever. We, we have we have a we have several things to talk about right now. Um, I I mean I'm you know, gonna going go ahead and mention this because it was um, brought up. It it just happened like 20 25 minutes ago. Uh, Florida running back Demarcus Bowman has re-entered the transfer portal. Bowman was a five-star recruit who signed with Clemson and went into the portal of August 2020. And transferred uh, to to Florida last this past January. I'm sorry, last January. Um, I, don't wow. necessar- I don't necessarily know. Well, no, he was he was actually supposed to be pretty big this year for them. Um,
1: yeah, they, I think they were very excited about their running back yeah, room. But yeah. I, I think it was at a point though where this this doesn't surprise me because I feel like the room has been rather crowded, and of course there has been a coaching change as well there in Gainesville, of course. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And he committed to Dan Mullen and his staff. So surprised, but not surprised, I guess.
0: No, uh, I mean it's just another shot to, um, it's just another shot to the whole Florida. It's going to take Florida a year or two under under Billy Napier. But that just happened. But we got some news, and like you said, we have got some uh, recruiting stuff to talk about. But let, let's jump in the news. What's going on?
1: Uh bill clark is set to retire from uab uh some health issues some back issues i think he's got to have a back fusion is what i was reading earlier uh today so um bill clark is stepping down Uh, he'll retire august 1st due to health and well-being concerns caused by long standing back issues that will require a spinal fusion not a back fusion but a spinal fusion he's 53 years old He's been with the Blazers since 2014, has posted a 49-26 and 26 record. And as far as being an FBS program uh, at the highest level, that's the only winning uh, coach with a winning record uh, at the school. He's the only one that's won a bowl game. He's 2-2 uh, two two in bowl games. He's obviously winning conference championships. And Rob, he helped restart the program. They shut down. In, in 2014, he was the head coach. They shut it down after his six and six season, that had been the best in a decade. They shut it down. He helps get it restarted, finding the money, funding the program, these different things, getting the funding for the program, and then they kickstart it back up in uh in 2017. Bill Clark's going to be sorely missed uh, at the at the college football level, helping to uh, to bring back UAB football.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think the the two things that I, I have to say about this is one. Exactly, echo just what you just said. Like what this man was able to do with the flux that UAB was in, for for you know just up and down of whether they're gonna have a program you know or not. And you know I'm just I'm thankful that Georgia continues to schedule them, you know, uh, continue to give them some kind of money and game, even though they have become like you were alluding to, they've become one of the better, better teams, you know, in their division, or, or I'm sorry, in their conference, um. The second thing is just man I hate that that's why he has to leave. You know, sure. y- you don't want to see people lose their job, but you, re- you 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 really hate seeing people have to lose their job because of because of, man a, a back injury, because of back surgery, you know? I just I just kind of hate that.
1: Yep, one uh, 100% uh, a tough one. I know a lot of people sort of viewed Bill Clark as a guy that maybe would had been sitting had been kind of sitting back and waiting on his bigger job the right bigger job to open up kind of like how billy napier did maybe like how kirby did at Mm -hmm. alabama sort of sitting back i'm gonna wait on the right job to open up and and i think plenty of people have gone after him for their openings and uh, i want to say he was a part of the lsu running uh, at (laughs) one point but i don't know how much he was in the running for that job ultimately uh Bill Clark is a well thought of, well respected name, and uh, yeah, the the coaching community in college football, or just college football in general, will certainly be uh, will be missing uh, Bill Clark there at uh, at UAB, and of course, wishing him the best going forward. Yeah. All right. So that's UAB. Rob, did you get a chance to get ke- get caught up on the or follow along with the NCAA down in Miami, talking to John Ruiz?
0: No. Oh.
1: So the NCAA went down to Miami and sort of did, people kind of reacted to it like it was an investigation. But if you had read the article, John Ruiz was pretty, it felt like to me he was pretty emphatic that, hey, this wasn't an investigation. They're not down here looking through my garbage and trying to figure out, you know, what we've done wrong. It sounded to me like the NCAA was down in Miami in sort of a catch me if you can kind of mode. And maybe not catch me if you can, maybe that's the wrong terms to use, but a sense of, hey, you're you're really good at this. This is something we're trying to get a handle on. Name, image, and likeness. You've been really good with this, a billionaire in Miami that's got all these deals with all these athletes, most of them at Miami. What can you tell us about? Where this is – kind of give us an idea of your structure of how you've put this together is the way this all came off to me, that the NCAA may be trying to brush up on how this is working to get an idea of how to rein it in.
0: Yeah. And so I thought it was – yeah, go ahead. No, no. Finish your thought. I'm sorry.
1: Well, I was just going to say I, I thought it was uh, an interesting move by the NCAA – who's certainly trying to restructure everything and is certainly trying to reapproach how they're viewed by the rest of college football. They certainly see on the horizon the ideas of major college football breaking away from the NCAA. I get the impression that they're on the alert. Mark Emirates out the door for a reason. They've sent him down. He's you know getting ready to retire, all those things. I think all of that has happened for a reason. They're trying to restructure themselves so that they don't get left out, and I think this is a part of it that they're going to go down there and try to get some wins, trying to win over some good fortune, try to put something together that's going to look right for how to keep major college football a part of the NCAA, and maybe put together some sort of guidelines, whatever structure they decide they want to figure out, and then see if they can't pitch that to everybody and see, hey, is this. Is this fair enough? Yeah. Maybe that's me being wishful thinking because I know the NCAA is such a has got such a long-standing history of being kind of incompetent. But maybe they're turning over a new leaf.
0: Well, I mean, it goes back to what we've heard. For you know, we've heard a lot is you know the old cliche. You know, you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube, or you can't put the genie back in the bottle. Um, I mean, Aladdin showed us that you actually can put a genie back in the bottle. But you know, that's beside the point. Mm-hmm. Um, the itty bitty living space, itty living space. The, the the thing here comes down to like uh, here's what I didn't want, and this has nothing to do with our our boys. Uh, you know, our our friend Russell and my friend David Bunkley here, huge Miami fans. It has nothing to do with them. But I I, I thought it was bullcrap that Miami's the one that was getting quote investigated, or 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 kind of looked at or glanced over. It's kind of like yeah. it's kind of like whenever you have siblings living in the same house and you know there's noise coming from it but the parents go to the same room every time they don't go they don't they don't check the other rooms to make sure that all the kids are sleeping and and doing what they're supposed to be doing um because and look i know tennessee's under investigation already for other stuff under pruitt but i think tennessee should probably get a lens especially if everybody universally is aware of this multi-million dollar deal to get the kid's name who i'm never going to be able to pronounce um you know, as our quarterback, like I, mm-hmm. I, I just had problems with that. Um, I don't have a problem though with them trying to educate themselves and try to gather information to properly try to regulate what the freaking crap is going on. Yeah, because it is, it is getting, it's getting a little crazy. And, and we'll we'll talk a little bit b- more about this in a minute. But I'm going to go ahead and make this statement. This is just for my Georgia friends and and fans alike. And Spencer, I don't know if you've if you've heard me say this yet or not. Georgia does not have the NIL money that Tennessee has, that A&M has, that Texas has. Heck, they don't have the NIL money that Auburn has or Oregon. They do not have that kind of money. They, they, have, they have some, but they do not have the NIL money that that so many people think they do. And there's going to be times, which we'll talk about here in a little bit, where players are lost and immediately people are going to go to NIL I I think it I don't think it's that at all or I don't think that plays a huge part here with certain players but we need to you need to understand that when it comes to recruiting moving forward until things change which they may in some regard until things change there are going to be schools like Alabama and Georgia and Ohio State which we'll talk about them here in a minute too with recruiting they're going to lose out on players because of NIL money, and it's just it's just going to happen. And people need and, and Georgia fans, Bama fans alike need to get ready for that because y'all don't have the same amount of money that all these other schools do. You do have development, you do have relationships, but as we're seeing, <clears throat> Louisville, it it is not only about development and relationships any longer.
1: Uh, I got one other news note that I wanted to do. Well, I mean, what do you think? About? We did, could jump to.
0: Did you did you have anything to like respond to with that?
1: No, that, that's, that's the landscape. That's absolutely going to be the, uh, the way that this is going to start playing out, and places that don't have the money or don't have it organized or don't, you know, whatever you want to call it, are certainly in a position or certainly will be in a position to, you know, have to work kind of smarter, work harder in a different direction, whatever it is, and yeah, you're going to have to try to foster those relationships a little bit differently. Um, And see if you can't make up the difference that way. Um, We'll see how that works. There's also the opportunity maybe that pans itself out going forward. What happens when certain boosters at certain places – you know, what if you're Ohio Mm -hmm. State? I know Quinn Ewers got a big bag at Ohio State. Well, what if that Ohio State person or that Ohio State collective now says, well, wait a minute. We're not going to hand out a big bag for a guy just to transfer out. So what happens – with that aspect of, of things. We paid big money for this guy to come here. Either the language in the contract or whatever it is that, that gets put together changes, or these collectives start to say to themselves, we're not, uh, we're not shelling out this kind of money early on just for a kid to, to either transfer out, or if the kid doesn't pan out, which could probably be the bigger detriment to the money, hey, because you can put incentives for staying, I guess. But if, hey, if a guy doesn't pan out, you know, he he chokes under the pressure, whatever, then yeah, maybe that changes the the money. So maybe there's hope yeah. on the horizon for, you know, an Auburn or Georgia or whoever or uh, Alabama or Georgia who doesn't have the bigger money.
0: Who who was it? I can't remember who it was, but there were, there was someone who made mention of the fact that we could see a situation where uh, these NIL commissions or whatever groups, collectives are are trying to dictate who plays and when they play.
1: Yeah, so, I think Lane Kiffin mentioned that.
0: Yeah, it was Lane Kiffin. And I think we already talked about that. I just want to say, I, I just want to say, yeah.
1: And I think that that was a big problem. And I know it's been a big problem at a lot of different places, but I think I remember hearing, you know, when Al- when Nick Saban got to Alabama, there were people, there were boosters because they sent, you know, they, they helped fund the program and they helped build the new fancy this and that and the other. They wanted a weekly meeting on Friday or Thursday to see what the game plan was, and they wanted to be all yeah. kinds of access and whatnot because they funded the program. They wanted all this sort of access, and Nick Saban said, "No, I'm not. Wa- I'm not wasting my time, or I'm not entertaining that. You can fund the program. We appreciate your dollars, and you can have access. You will have certain kind of access, but you're not having that kind of access to where I'm. I'm walking you through the game plan, and you get to." to make comments or give feedback or something. No, 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 no. You're not paying for that. So it's going to take a sturdy coach to step in and say, you might be paying for this kid, but you're paying for me. You paid him to come here to be coached by me. That would probably need to be something left, you know, set up front. I'm sure good coaches will do that, but ultimately, yeah, no, the good coach is the sturdy coach is going to have to come in and put his foot down and say, we appreciate you helping out, but when they're here and they're with me, they're on my time, they're my player, that's that's that. You don't get to say any of those things and if you want to walk away with your dollars, I think a coach like Nick Saban, a coach like Kirby Smart, maybe even Jimbo, those guys will say to themselves, walk walk away then.
0: I have to. Yeah. I mean, you have to put your foot down. You do. And and this goes back to, you know, well let, let's talk about the other thing that you want to talk about and then we'll talk about recruiting.
1: Right, so, and this can move quickly, but the Big 12 is expected to add its four new members, Cincy, Houston, BYU, and UCF, in 2023, I think it is, and Texas and Oklahoma might not be leaving until 24 or 25. The thing that sticks out to me about this is obviously the Big 12 for a year or two could be the Big 14 because Texas and Oklahoma would have to compete with Cincy, Houston, BYU, and UCF. Last season, the media payout to each Big 12 school was $42.6 million. Do you know how much the, Atlantic, the, uh, the American conference paid out to its, to its member schools? $7.9 million. Mm. Could Cincy, Houston, BYU, and UCF see a $34.7 million you know, revenue increase for two years? What, kind of, what, kind of, what would that do for Gus Malzahn in central Florida? What would that do for Houston in the middle of Texas? What would that do for Cincinnati up in, in, in Ohio and around Penn State and, or uh, around Pennsylvania and all that? Where where the good football is up in that area, could you imagine thirty four million more dollars for two years, sixty plus almost seventy million dollars, extra money? Now it well, might not stay yeah. that way after Texas and Oklahoma exit, but at least for a year, you could get a huge bonus walking into the conference.
0: Yeah, because that because they'll be in next season, right? Right, twenty three is they they're, they're yeah. expected
1: to add those four in twenty three. The way I remember reading the article.
0: Yeah. So that'll, so, so, but that means there's only, it's actually going to be one year. One year because, because if I remember correctly, Tex Oklahoma are supposed to join in 25. So actually, no, you're right. No, it's right. 23 season, 24 season, and then Tex Oklahoma are gone. You're right. That's, I mean, look, the, the team that I thought about that could probably benefit most from this, just, and, and what I mean by benefit most is not just by giving this lump sum of cash but also to be in a situation geographically and with resources already that they can greatly take care of it, take, take advantage of this is UCF being in Orlando, being in Orlando where they are, um, the pipeline that they'd have.
1: Yeah. I mean, 34 extra million dollars to potentially just travel from, or, you know, to make more trips from, from Orlando down to, down to Miami. I mean, that could prove You could really stretch those dollars, I guess, in in terms of your traveling uh, for recruiting and seeing more recruits and getting in front of more people and putting on more camps. Whatever it is that you spend the money on could really go a long way for uh, for all four of these schools, especially when you've only been getting seven point nine million. It could really go a long way. So um, now the the only other thought here is I wonder if a place like Oklahoma State or Baylor is going to sit back and say to themselves, wait a minute, do the new guys really get the same kind of cut that everybody else gets? I don't know how that would work. And, and if the Big 12 would just say, yeah, they do, because we kind of need them to be here. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we, we don't really have a choice. We kind of need them to be joining us quickly. We need there to be an incentive. We need these programs to kind of be caught up so that they can be recruiting at your level and they can, you know, hit the ground running. So, yes, they do. Could can certainly see that happening as well. And then it could just make for great rivalries. We, we you yeah. know, but <laughs> Baylor says we don't like we don't like you, Houston, that much more because we think you're getting an unfair cut of the money. So yeah, I mean it could help fuel rivalries as well, I guess. All right, which recruiting story do you want to do first? Ohio <laughs> State, right. Louisville, or the no, other
0: one? We're gonna do we're gonna do the big one. Archmaning, Archmaning, training, arch archmaning archmaning, 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 SEC, Texas, Georgia, Alabama. SEC, Texas, Oklahoma, uh, Alabama. Just saying all these names so it'll t- be triggered in the in the listening thread for us to maybe get put up a little bit of rankings uh, because we're talking about Arch Manning, Arch Manning, Arch Manning. Um, I have a question for you? Yes, real yes, quick please. before you get started. Yep.
1: Is it is it an arch basically horns down? <laughs> right. Isn't yeah. An arch basically horns down, so it's very fitting.
0: Very fitting, I guess. I'm um, not but hurt at all. Can you tell? yeah, look. let me let me try to give like a little bit of a storyline or I'm sorry, let me give the 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 sequence of events and what led to this, okay? So for the last two years, Georgia and Texas and Alabama and LSU, specifically, have been hard hardcore going after Arch Manning. As the year went on, it became pretty clear. It was a Bama, Texas, and Oklahoma, or I'm sorry, Texas, Bama, and Georgia situation. And so then, then in May, Eli Holstein, four star, four star kid, he kind of he kind of revealed tipped the hand of Alabama that may, maybe they were still in the running, but it really became a Texas Georgia race. So since about January, it's been hardcore Texas and Georgia. Um, because Holstein it, committed to Alabama. Alabama. Sorry, I meant to say that. Yeah, Holstein committed to Alabama, and it tipped Alabama's hand that they 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 have their quarterback for the 23 class. And then it, it came down to there were three uh, – there was three, sequ- three visits back to back to back, Georgia first, Bama, then Texas. Now, most of the time, the last five years, I have seen Kirby, when he is trying to close with a big commit – he gets that last visit he doesn't get the first he doesn't get the middle he gets the last but because because we have been told or i'm sorry i had been told of how close that georgia felt to getting to getting him it, it it didn't it felt like hey if this this if this visit goes incredibly well then everything is fine you know everything everything's fine. and it, it went incredible it was an incredible visit it, it there were top recruits Hale was there, the receiver um, that we're, that Georgia's trying to get. It just it, it was a great visit. Then he goes to Bama. It was fine, you know. It was a fine visit. There's never been a bad unofficial visit or bad official visit, by the way, for none of these players. But then he goes to Texas, and I had gotten word the week going into Texas, like Georgia feels great. But then I got t- then I got texted Saturday night, you know. And and other people started posting and talking about, hey man, they, Texas thinks that they've turned they've turned a corner here. They they think they've they think they may get something. They feel more confident. And then you know, and then started start people started leaking out Sunday and Monday crystal balls saying that Arch is is going to Texas. And then as we know, he committed to, he committed to Texas. Um, however, I I did get I did find out today like the morning that he the, the morning that he committed was the morning he decided. He he decided where he was going that night. That that morning, he over eggs he, and bacon. Yeah, for eggs and bacon. He woke up and he decided. He he did like, and, and look, you know, I I personally understand why he went to Georgia. I mean, why he went to Texas. Again, hey, real quick on,
1: on your on your timeline. Yeah, I remember reading something about Caleb Williams playing a factor did did <sighs> caleb Williams in the transfer portal play a factor at all with arch and georgia it
0: it seems that it could have that but that's we're not
1: we're not completely sure
0: yes i i just don't want to speak in absolutes or certainty sure, sure. um but it seems that it could have that george made a run it at, at caleb you know Around February, I mean, around January, before Caleb made his absolute made his announcement at USC, it and sometimes guys, whenever you take the when you take your spotlight off of a player, even for a second or a moment, it can have ramifications. Now, I don't think I don't think that is the only reason why he chose Texas because you know Georgia flirted with Caleb Williams. I think it has more to do with the fact that he believes that he can be developed better. I did not say win more games. I said developed better as a quarterback with under Sarkeesian and yeah. you know you can't argue with that and you it's can't hard to, yeah. you also can't argue with the fact that if NIL comes to play a part even though you don't think they need money the the manning's that is Texas has way more money and also I do know for a fact that this played her part last last recruiting class in 2022 Texas signed the number one offensive line recruiting class in the country. They also signed one of the top five best offensive line recruiting classes ever. Yeah,
1: I think you and I have had this conversation. I mean, Georgia threw the ball with Stetson Bennett last year 21 and a half times per game. Or let me rephrase that. Stetson averaged 21 and a half throws per game. Um George's and I, and I understand it's with Stetson, and so maybe you approach it differently because it's Stetson. And if it had been JT Daniels, then maybe it was a different approach. But ultimately, you've got to – I think from Georgia's perspective, there's got to be a showcase mm-hmm. to the recruits around the country, not just, hey, we're we're going to do it with you. We're going to do it with you when they come on the visit. I think there's got to be a showcase that says – we're, we're embracing opening it up, and I know that Todd Munkin uh, – um, Todd Munkin's supposed to come in, and that was the plan, and those and, – uh, and again, plans change, and those things. That's, that's great, and if we see it somewhere further down the line, great. But at yeah. some point, I think it's going to be a factor
0: in landing well, and, some of these guys. Uh, it might have been a factor here. And, and you, you and I talked about this. It, there have – for the last two years, some things have gone against Kirby that he couldn't have controlled. Right? Like, do you agree I with course. that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you can't do anything about injuries. You can't, you can't completely can't, can't,
1: do anything about transfers.
0: Can't do anything about COVID. Can't do anything about your – you can't do anything about the quarterback you thought was going to be the game-changer of your new offense decides to quit a month before the season. Right? You, you can't – Yeah, and, uh, and, and Newman, yeah. Yeah, Newman. You, you, like, people forget about that. People forget about that storyline, but it's the truth that – you know like there's nothing Kirby could do about that. J.T. Daniels wasn't healthy when that started, and then coming in this year, it's not his fault that the first freaking game of the year he tears his oblique. you know? like it, it's just it, it's 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 a sticky wicket of a situation for for Kirby and and but you are 100 percent right that even though that's true, and look, you and I have numbers that we could show. we could show numbers across the board. We, could, we can show numbers to fans. That hey Georgia's offense actually was pretty dang explosive last year. But here's the thing. Here's something I, I bet you didn't know or most people don't know. And this comes from this comes from an understanding of listening to all these recruit this, these recruiting heads, these directors recruiting, these guys who talk to these kids left and right. There is a high percentage. I think one one guy. I think it was um, uh, Barton Simmons who said that easily seventy percent of these. Recruits don't even watch college football, dude. That's nuts to me. I mean, it, it is what it is. Now, I, I have honestly, I have no animosity towards Arch in whatsoever because it's not like he told told Georgia one thing that night and then did something different the next day. You know, he he didn't mislead anybody. Things were tight. Things were close. And 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 look, who knows where he's going to be in two years? Who knows where Quinn Ewers is going to be in two years? And so that, that was going to be my next thought. Yeah. yeah th- go ahead. So so let's let us just take a minute and let's play the where do they go now? Okay, is that cool? Can we do that now? Or you have you have anything else we're, on no, just the recruiting thing?
1: Well, no, that yeah, I'm I'm perfectly fine with the idea of what does Quinn Ewers? I mean, he's already the I think we know him as the starter now for Texas. That offensive line is going to kind of get put a little bit into the fire. That uh, fancy offensive line recruiting class is going to start making its way into the lineup. They might not be excellent, but let's say they do an okay job. They protect Quinn Ewers. All of the weapons show up, which they've got plenty. What's to say Quinn Ewers doesn't go off this year and throw thirty touchdown passes and keep his interceptions down and complete sixty six percent of his uh, of his throws and throws for thirty five hundred yards or something and um. By the end of the year, maybe Texas is in contention for the Big 12, and he's just played in a way, and maybe a really good, solid performances down the stretch. He's just played in a way that kind of says, "How do you take him out of the starting lineup? Is yeah. there going to be a competition next year for Arch Manning?" Well, so here, does he here's, want that? Yeah. So, it, so would he be comfortable sitting for a year?
0: No, no, no. I, I think I think that's a great a gr- great point. I, I just want to make this. I want to point this out really quickly, okay? And I hope maybe this will answer, your, help answer your question, or even maybe open up more of a conversation here. First of all, if you go look at what Texas brought in twenty twenty two, you know what they brought in? They brought in a lot of wide receivers, and they brought in, they, and they're bringing in wide receivers in this current class because this this twenty twenty three class is is full of elite wide receivers, which we'll talk about here in a minute. But Texas, does, like you can't only talk about Quinn Ewers. You have to talk about Malik Murphy. You, you, do you know who I'm talking about when I rest say him?
1: I'm, I'm guessing he's another quarterback recruit.
0: yes. he is a he was that he was number four. He's a top one hundred kid. He's a four star out of uh, California, six four, two hundred and twenty pound, two hundred and twenty five pounds. he He's a really good quarterback. So, how do you think he feels right now? And how long is it before he transfers? Because, it's uh, and then who else? Also, we're forgetting about Hudson freaking Card. Yeah. Like, well, and, 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 and and there's yeah. a, go ahead. I'm sorry. Like, based on, ba- based on how how they do at practice, you know, or how they believe themselves to be, you know, each week during the practice during practice, there's a world in which both Malik and Hudson Card transfer out after this after this season. Because, look, the Arch Manning thing means nothing for the 2022 season. Let's just be clear about that. Arch Manning
1: means nothing. He's in high school in 2022.
0: he's in high school, so it means nothing for the 2022 class. However, when you're looking at Texas and what they have going from 2022 forward, I am concerned about who their quarterback room is going to be once they have Hudson Card, Quinn Ewers, Malik, and Arch, Arch Manning. Like, I, so I,
1: don't, I think one thing that depends here in a big way is how comfortable is Arch Manning coming in year one and sitting behind either an established Quinn Ewers who's had a year under his belt and has played really well, like like we scenarioed a second ago. How comfortable is he to come in and sit down right away, or does he want to immediately start and be a part of the the conversation? If that's the case, what happens if he sorry. gets beat? You know, there's a lot of different scenarios there, or at least there's two different scenarios there that could play out. I guess it just depends on, you know, if he's cool with with sitting out. Have you heard?
0: Apparently he he is fully expected to. <laughs> Kirby used the word "compete" for starting time because that's what Kirby constantly tells these kids. Um, it does seem like he has more more of an ability to start. Or to play early at Texas, but again, that doesn't make any sense to me. And and look, you know, would would you text me the other day? Like currently ranked, Georgia has like the has a top five room in the you know quarterback room in the country going into this season. You know there are there are three dudes. There are two five stars and a four star sitting in the locker in in the you know in the room at Georgia. There's Quinn Ewers. Malik and you know we don't know who what Hudson card is and so I can understand Arch Manning saying you know yeah I think I can take these guys and look I, I want to be clear about this too I am I am not being like some of these ignorant obtuse thinking Georgia fans who are trying to say well we didn't need them anyway no no this freaking hurt this hurt the recruiting class now is the recruiting class over and done with no are we probably going to get some of the dudes that we thought we were going to get yes we're still probably going to get that the, the uh, Hakeem and Tyler Williams. Probably still going to get him. The one that I'm worried about most is Jalen Hale, which we'll we'll, t- we'll talk about what George is going to do here in a minute. But we're talking about Texas specifically. I'm telling you, man, the, the, the Texas quarterback room. If it's, if it's true that Arch was given some, you know, we weren't told anything about Arch's like recruitment at all. If it's true that NIL and playing time played a huge role here, I am so so curious what where we're at in two years with the Texas program. As far as quarterbacks, because here's also something else. And I'll add this and I want to hear what you have to say. What if Texas sucks again this year? Because Quinn Ewers threw three interceptions in his spring game. What, 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 if, what if they suck again this year?
1: Wouldn't that, wouldn't that help? If Quinn Ewers doesn't play well, doesn't that bode well for Manning and his opportunity to maybe get a chance to start?
0: Yeah, but also what does that say about the program of Texas and the the trajectory that Sark is believing that he has?
1: You okay, know it would be, you know, it would just continue to pass the buck down to Arch, you're the man, you're gonna get it done for us. We got look at all this other talent, look at all these other things that we have, and now they're ready, no longer freshman offensive linemen. They've got a year under their belt, these wide receivers, a year under their belt. You're the guy, you're gonna do it, you're gonna get it done for us.
0: I mean, that's what Georgia – I imagine that would play I mean, into I mean, this role. And, and, that's, that's 100% what Georgia did to him. You know, like Georgia sold him on, on being able to play early. You know, um, come compete against these guys, you can, you know, and you can play against them, which, you know, we can talk about. There's, there, there's more conversations to be had about the quarterback room at a later time <laughs> at Georgia. But let, let's move to the Georgia side, okay? What does Georgia do from here? I uh, already talked about this a little bit, mentioned this. Uh, I don't, I do not, I do think that there will probably be one or two commits that Georgia doesn't get now that they were expected to, because on the Georgia side of this, just like with Texas, Georgia was just as confident as Texas was that they were going to get him. And, um, I mean, I think I saw, I think I saw somewhere where a Texas insider said the way that the way that we had heard uh, across the board of how things were talked about. Texas could have easily gotten the phone call saying, "Hey, he chose Georgia," because everybody across the board felt that he was just telling, he was just being very polite, he was being very respectful, and not giving, he was not cough, he was not giving anyone anything of saying, "Hey, I'm not coming here," until you know, until he, until he did, (laughs) and he did. He he called. I mean, I give the kid credit. He called. He he. I mean, he called Kirby that morning and told him. And I, I I just respect that. I know that doesn't mean anything here, but I, I respect that. But here's the thing, okay? Like I said, Hakeem and Tyler Williams, Malik Benson are the three big names that Georgia are trying to go after right now for wide receivers, and and they're they're big. They're they're very big targets. Georgia has to get two of those three guys, or at least two two guys of that caliber, because I don't I don't know if they're going to get Jalen Hale now. Um, Jalen Hale released his top two schools uh, a little while back, and it was Georgia and USC. He was Jalen
1: Hill up, is
0: uh, wide receiver, um, one of the top wide recruits in the uh, wide receiver recruits in the country.
1: No, I, I think Georgia's got to Georgia's got to figure out a way to uh, to open things up. I, I think that's they got wait, They I feel like they've got to figure out a way to show recruits, and I know you mentioned that recruits maybe don't watch as much college football. But if they're hearing from people who do watch college football and that's the impression that they're given, they're being told, well, they just don't throw it over there. They just don't throw it all that much. You're just going to be handing it off over there. If that's the feedback that they're getting, well, then somebody's got to start saying they've got to start hearing. Yeah, man, Georgia's opening it up. They're throwing it all over the place. we got to find that guy, whether it's it's Carson Beck or it's Gunnar Stockton or it's it's whoever. we got to find that guy to get it opened up.
0: Here's the thing, too. Like we. We. And I know this is hard because we're Georgia fans and we're, you know, Georgia fans are just forever pessimistic, but we have two five stars, a four star and a national championship quarterback who just won it in that quarterback room. And there is no doubt in my mind in my, in my personal 36 years of life. I don't know if there's a better pass catching room that Georgia's had in my entire life. And they're healthy and they're healthy. But just to be a little I'm bit more worried. specific for you earlier, Jalen Hale uh, comes from Texas, four-star kid, top top 100, top 60 kid in the country. Um, again, it it it's gonna it's right now gonna come down to USC and Georgia. But he, here's the thing, and I'll just i mention this, and and I'll, we can move on to the next little part here, is that USC has an has an elite quarterback. That's that's there in Caleb Williams.
1: Caleb Williams. Yeah. Now
0: now Caleb Williams will only be there one year once he's a fresh once Jalen Hale's a freshman. But again, if there's one thing we know for a fact that Lincoln Riley does well, it's quarterbacks. Um so I'm I'm very so you know I'll put I'll keep Jalen Hale in that Georgia has to walk away with two, at least two of the four. That that they just have to. Because even though this even though this wide receiver room is far better than people are giving them credit for, actually they're they're giving them good credit. They're Georgia is getting a lot of respect coming into this this offseason it's crazy what a, what a national championship can do but between the Williams the two Williams Benson and Hale Georgia has to walk away with two of them and I think it's going to be a little harder to do that now now the quarterback situation and because that's the bigger part of what is Georgia going to do now at quarterback They're there's
1: they're, they're for the 2023 class
0: for the 2023 class I don't know I don't think they're going to really probably go after much. They, they may try to find a transfer. Um, a, a transfer is probably gonna be the best option. I just mentioned one who could very well go to the transfer portal in Malik. Um, and I can't remember his name right now because I'm not looking at it. But this um, but the Malik kid for uh, for Texas that that could easily happen. Um, any of these kids, uh, there, there's kids at freaking Ohio State, Malik Murphy. Um, there, there's kids at Ohio. There's a, a awesome kid sitting the sitting on the bench at Ohio State who could join the transfer portal. I don't know. I don't know what Georgia is going to do as far as the 2023 class. However, there is there is one name that keeps being brought up, and it's uh, this three star kid uh, called Caden Wiseman. Um, he was on campus. He uh, he was on campus soon. Or, or he was on campus for a 77, but he's going to try. He he's probably going to take a visit here soon. He's a three-star kid. Outside of this kid or some kind of flyer or a transfer, I don't I don't think I don't think Georgia's gonna get much much in the um in the quarterback room for this upcoming class. However, here are the three big names Georgia fans you need to pay attention to for the 2024 class because Okay, I've only seen Kirby do this one other time since since he's been the head coach. I've only seen him put all of his eggs in one person's basket for a position one other time since being at Georgia, and that was for Mason Smith, defensive lineman, who ended up I think going to uh, A and M at another Texas school. He missed out on that player because he and he only put their eggs in the basket of that player. Then when Mason Smith got, you know, you know, we we were a little thrown off in with that recruiting class. I think it was twenty twenty. 2020's recruiting class. So, I, I was a little surprised that Kirby went all in with no backup, and 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 didn't get him. I imagine that's because he trusts his quarterback room for this upcoming season, and and that is fair. But here are the three names that I want y'all to memorize or, or keep it keep an ear out for: Jaden Davis, um, six foot one eighty six, five star kid out of Charlotte; Julian Saein. Julian Sain, huh?
1: What's his last name?
0: Sain. Sain. It's, it's not. It's not like. Um. Uh, it's not like a Sain in Dragon Ball, but it's very close, yes, to, it the it's very close yes, to the spelling.
1: Yes. Uh, well.
0: Sand, uh, it's very close to the spelling. Julian Sain, six foot one, Goku That's right. Coming Carl's, to town. out of Carlsbad, California. Um, and then DJ Lagway, four star. I, I I almost want to bet money that he'll be a five star by by next year. DJ Lagway, 6'3, dual threat kid, four-star. These are the three big name quarterbacks that George is trying to go after. And I think Kirby's going to try to get one of them to commit this year, like this calendar year, so they can then build the 2024 class just like he did with Gunnar Stockton, just like he did with Brock Vandergriff. Because that's what you do. You get a quarterback early, so then you can continue so you can build your build the offensive the offense around them.
1: Ohio State, Brian Harson. Uh, has been not Brian Harson, Brian Hartline has mm-hmm. been really solid recruiter.
0: No, no, no no. Uh, no, 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 Do not say really solid recruiter. You 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 give that man the credit that he's been and that is the best position recruiter in the country the last three years. That's what I said. No, you say he's been a solid recruiter. I want to give this guy exactly what he is. He has been well he has been incredible. It, it is is remarkable to me. Keon Gray's, uh, Caleb Burton, um, uh, Caleb Caleb Brown. Didn't I just say Caleb Brown? Yes, yes, I did. Oh, Caleb Brown, Caleb Burton, uh, Kojo Antwi. Like th- these are all names of this current twenty twenty of the the 22 class. Those are wide receivers that came in that are, are elite elite dudes, and and already. Already, they have five-star Brandon Innis out of Florida. They have Carnell Tate five-star out of Florida. They have Noah Rogers four-star out of North Carolina. That that he just get oh and four-star Bryson Rogers out of Florida. Like they just continue to get dudes on dudes on dudes at wide receiver, and, and I'm 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 blown away by it, man. I, I just Tate, and Innes, uh,
1: Tate and Ennis, Tate and Ennis were the two this week. That is mm-hmm. sort of spurred oh, Noah, this uh, and conversation.
0: Noah and Noah Rogers, all three of those recruited or, or announced in like the last week. Um, yeah, in the last week,
1: and those three guys commit, and obviously we're all right on top of one another, and so it brings about this uh, obviously, you know, resurgence of a conversation around Brian Hartline and how well he's been doing uh, at recruiting there for uh, for Ohio State in that wide receiver room. Obviously, there's the draft picks that just went to the nfl uh not only was it the two from ohio state but jamison williams obviously gets a lot of credit as well as being a a guy that couldn't play at ohio state but still went and became a first overall or not first overall but first round draft pick down in uh in alabama and they all went what one two three uh or 12 mm-hmm. 13 14 in the draft whatever the numbers were so obviously the success is translating to the nfl it's on the field and it is coming right behind the group that is about to, to go out and be crazy uh, on the field. So uh, the wide receiver position is as sharp as it probably has ever been on. I guess the only other time you would rival this is, is Alabama's Jerry Judy and, and, and that group, would you say?
0: Um, I, Maybe yeah, not the yeah. same
1: numbers of players yeah, in terms yeah, yeah. of quantity, um, but I'm the fr- quality.
0: Yeah, hold on. Let me see if I can find that class because I think it was the – I think it was 2018. It may have been 2017, but the the 20s, yeah. All right, twenty is the 2017 class. Let me let me read you the 2017 class really quick. Uh, wide receivers for Bama, because Waddle came in in 2018. Yeah, Waddle followed this group. It was Jerry Judy, Devontae Smith, Henry Ruggs. Like, so to yes, your point. Yes, that that class is is the one like those three dudes and we were like, oh my gosh, like how are they able to do this? And then, and then we see that it's because they had elite quarterback at the time that was able to put it all together with Tua. Um, You know, and, and, well, and Mac, Mac Jones later, but, um, yes, but I would say this, what they're doing, what Ohio State is doing is more impressive because, because
1: it's quantity and quality.
0: Yes, it's quantity and quality and, and and also, man, they've, they've just got to, freaking quarterback in cJ. Stroud, who can just dish it to anybody and everybody. Like, they're so free- could- they're so freaking good.
1: So it's going to be a big year for Ohio State at the uh, wide receiver position. I guess mm-hmm. you know the next thing for me would be, can they put it together? Obviously, Alabama had the success with their guys. they They had the rest of the team to go along with it so that they could be winning at the end of the year, national championships and AC, uh, SEC championships. You know, what does the rest of the team look like for Ohio State? Could they get Brian Hartline to recruit a couple of more linebackers or a couple of more uh, defensive linemen to to get the – and not that Ohio State's ever had bad defensive linemen, but how else can they build that team to kind of finish they, this off because yeah. the, the big fancy wide receivers are great, and it's wonderful, and you need guys to be able to push down the field and be explosive and all that stuff, but we saw we've seen Ohio State be explosive and have great wide receivers and not be able to get it done towards the end of the year. So can they can they close the gap uh, at, at the other positions and finally capitalize on uh, you know these big shot wide receivers that they've that they've been able to bring in?
0: No, I think that's good. Um, and and I, d- I don't know the answer. Right now, um, because let's just be honest, on the offensive and de- defensive side of the ball, we saw them get bullied for two games last year against Oregon and against Michigan. So I, I don't know I, I don't know what's gonna, I don't know what what's going to happen there. I mean, I, I do know this and and this still continues to be one of the craziest stats ever. Ryan Day has lost four games since becoming the head coach. That's 30 plus games. They're over 35 games. He's lost four games. And what
1: are the four games? Do you know off the top of your head?
0: Uh, Let me see if I can do this. Oregon, Ohio State, um, Oregon, Michigan last year. Um, It was – they lost to Clemson. No, they lost to Alabama, and they lost to Clemson. Yeah.
1: All teams that have done very good on the defensive lines.
0: Yes. So maybe
1: it's the O-line that Ohio State's got to figure out.
0: Hey, can I can I get some credit for for pulling that off the top of my head?
1: Just, you uh, you certainly can. Two points you. for you.
0: Thank you, sir. I appreciate that. Very nice. Um, All right.
1: Uh, any anything else for Ohio State? No, I, I just want. Well,
0: no, I, I just want to make mention of this uh, with Louisville. I, I think I got rid of that. I got rid yeah, of that. that's where I was going to move to. Yeah. Okay, go ahead. You preface this so I can pull this stuff up.
1: Uh, so Louisville. Brings in uh, Ruben Owens, a, a big-time recruit at the running back position. And obviously a big, get sort of a win for the little guy, essentially. And not that Louisville is a tiny team or a tiny program, uh, but they're certainly not one of the Alabamas, the Ohio State's, LSU's, those things. So big win for the little guy, perhaps NIL, playing a factor, be the big fish in a little pond kind of sell, perhaps and you get uh, you get a big time recruit move to a smaller program and that's kind of what we always talked about or one of the things that was mentioned about nil could this potentially level the playing field and give a memphis a louisville a houston a ucf give some of those smaller places an opportunity to say hey we'll pay you a bunch of money and you can come right on and and start right away and be a part of this team and sort of let us build around you. Could that help level the playing field? Perhaps it has done that here with Reuben Owens as he lands at Louisville. Rob, I guess the last piece to the puzzle, and you can look to Georgia Tech and Jameer Gibbs for an example, it has to work. Reuben Owens has to be successful at Louisville for this to stick and potentially continue to happen. If you're Jameer Gibbs and you go to Georgia Tech and they don't use you properly and they don't have success around you, you're off to Alabama. Ruben Owens could be off to Georgia or off to Ohio State if things don't go well at Louisville. They've got to be—they've got to be successful for all of this win for the little guy stuff to pan out for the future and potentially level that playing field to where not immediately, but ten years down the line. There's a couple of more five stars that end up at uh, that end up spread across the country, and now you've maybe put a small dent into the depth that Alabama always likes to build, or the depth that Georgia likes to build. LSU and Ohio State trying to build depth everywhere. Perhaps in this situation, further down the line, if this works, you maybe you maybe put a little dent in there, and obviously there's other things that have to go along with it too. But you can that NLI. NIL can be a small piece to the puzzle of maybe leveling the playing field a little bit.
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, that, that's always been the hope, right? That's been what has the been hope, talked about. Right, It's the hope. Yeah, it's the hope, right? Um, for the it last is. for the last year and a half, because July first will be the one year anniversary since uh, NIL has become a thing. Um, well, we're still very early, so yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah.
1: Leveling the playing field will have to happen further down the line. Go ahead.
0: No, no, no. But, but I think I think you're absolutely right that, that this has been the hope. That's what we talked about a year ago, that this that something like this would happen that or, you know, I'm not even saying it is happening. But we just hoped that this could happen. Right. And, you know, just looking at just looking at Louisville, let's just use them as, you know, a focus, a focus group to look at right now. They are the number 11th team in the country. They have 10 commits they will probably i mean if they keep going the way they're going or they even if they don't go any further than where they're going and just get a normal base recruits of where they've gone they'll probably end up at like 16 or 17 which is still great for what they've had in the past however this will this will make the bigger difference currently they are sitting on four top 200 players that is that is more than any that is more top 200 players than they've had in the last 13 years combined. That is what NIL is able to do to get them four stud players on their team. Now, again, that's not going to win a natty, but you know what? That might win a game or two that they didn't expect, or like you were alluding to, it might help them next year to build on that. And maybe, I don't know, maybe get, maybe get four, maybe get four 200 guys every year and then maybe get a few top 300 guys too. So uh, nil leveling the playing field is what I've wanted. Um, I I hate obviously I I hate possibly losing a player that I really wanted because of it. But at the betterment of college football, I think it is a really good thing. But also at the end of the day, people need to realize this: if they suck, these kids won't they, these kids won't continue to come here. Yeah, so, it's gotta it's gotta be successful. Yeah,
1: it's yeah, gotta be successful for sure. All right, Robbo. Uh, anything else you had for uh, for today's episode?
0: No, I don't think so. We'll be sure to uh, like,
1: rate, review, and subscribe. You can find uh, Robbie on Twitter at SpiderDude64. I'm there. Spencer underscore Van Horn, V A N H O R N. Two friends, one love, and that is college football. Be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe. We'll catch you on the flip flop. Later.